Good Greetings, groovers, seekers of sophistication, lovers of literature. How are you doing? Tis I, Nicholas of Hennigan, on Resonance 104.4 FM. Flipping marvellous. Um, thank you for joining us again in what is becoming, actually, a, a bit of a multi-major experience. Yes, it was Charles Dickens' granddaughter not so long ago. And now we're talking all things Bloomsbury, not just on Resonance FM, but we're also going to be on uh, the Literary London YouTube channel. And uh, we're also going to be on the LondonLiteraryPubCrawl.com podcast. So we're all over the place. Um, I've put my posh shirt on as well. And if you are watching on uh, YouTube, you can see me lockdown haircut. Um, and it's a really great, a great programme today. Subject that I'm really kind of keen on and a lovely part of London. Um, uh, I'd like to welcome Rosemary Richards. Hello, Rosemary. Hello, lovely to meet you. Likewise. Thanks for coming on. Now, we're going to talk about the Bloomsbury Festival, basically, which is a... And well, you'll tell us what it is, actually. I mean, it's, it's something that I've been sort of going to and attending years. And in the old days, I'd traipse around Bloomsbury Square with my microphone. Um, that's obviously not going to happen um, this time. But I'd like to talk about the area as well, because it's, I mean, in a sense, the reason for the festival is perhaps informed by the area. But, but just, give us, um, just give us a sort of snapshot of what the Bloomsbury Festival is and what the Encore Festival is, which is what we're talking about now. Yeah, well, you, you might know a bit more about the history than I do, because it sounds like you've been involved for a long time. Because I, my, my um, coming to Bloomsbury Festival really for the first time in 2019, and then I've taken over as a director in 2020. So I've just been director just short of a year and had the uh, privilege of started, starting. And then two weeks later, lockdown came. So, <laughs> so we, we sort of knew it was heading in that direction. And... Luckily, I had a skill set that was able to deal with some of the, um, the problems and the, the challenges that we then faced because uh, my long term background has been in the media. So I'm familiar with radio production and familiar with TV and documentary and even some web streaming for theatre and that sort of thing more recently. So I brought a whole skill set as well as having been a festival director. Um, uh, which I was for a decade for the uh, Gravity Fields Festival in Lincolnshire, which celebrated Isaac Newton. So I had a mixed sort of arts and science theme there. So I had that decade that I decided to take a step away from, came into the Bloomsbury Festival. And yes, and then it's been a very different experience to those that, you know, those of past Bloomsbury Festivals, I think, because although we did have many performances, though we did have many concerts, though we had some outdoor work, we couldn't really have that gathering of people all in one place that festivals so often are about and was what I love about festivals personally. And so, uh, but we had many of the constituent parts. It's just that our mode of delivering it couldn't be quite so on the ground. So, um, yeah, and of course, because I was new to the particular festival and a lot of the partners, I've got to know most of them like this on Zoom. <laughs> so we did actually end up just being lucky enough to be able to stage performances in venues and film them. One or two venues we were allowed to have a very small um, audience in as well. Um, but the idea of the festival overall really is to celebrate the talent in Bloomsbury and give it a bit of a showcase. And the talent can vary from people who are resident there, from the many different diverse communities that are there, right through to people emerging from, you know, uh, brilliant, talented, talented young artists from the the art schools and musicians through to people who have had a long-term association with the academic world there and writers and that sort of thing. So we 
aren't exclusive in what we do at all in fact quite the reverse and we bring some of our work out onto the streets so it's easy for people both residents who wouldn't normally go to arts events and people passing by passing through in normal years tourists as well so we're there for everybody but it's to bring everything up like a layer and make it sort of visible to the, to the world really is 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 what we're trying to do and and as we go on there have been a few different eras. It started very much as a community festival. It's a bit more professionally run now, like many things have to become. Um, so, because we, you know, have spent January writing funding applications, which isn't the most exciting thing. Well, in some ways, it's not the most exciting thing in the world, but it allows you to do the exciting thing and and talk to the artists and also involve the community, so that we have money to support that, really, some funds. Um, so yeah, so it's a year-round process, really, of planning. Uh, programming will come we're starting to program for this coming um, autumn as well but also after last year's festival we had all this wonderful stuff that we don't normally have because we'd filmed a, a lot of the things not quite everything but we'd filmed a lot we'd done digital art exhibitions because we felt that people might not be able to see them in the buildings they were intended to go in and We'd done some of the art exhibitions outdoors and, and digitally. So we had all the, the what we call the media content <laughs> and just felt like, well, it might be quite nice to show it again because, you know, when you work on a festival, not least, not even the festival team will necessarily have seen everything. So we went through it and it wasn't a selection of highlights in terms of it just being the very best. It was like to get a mix of the content, but also the content that works for digital you know best really yes it's been difficult hasn't it i mean i'm sort of involved very much in theater and there's been a big debate about are are recorded plays are they plays or are they television i mean it's it's a bit of a moot point and of course in terms of theater at the moment there's uh there's there's no choice but it's mm. I, I, have you found it sort of generally creative i was talking to Carol, who'd run a poetry festival in ireland and he was saying in one sense the, the restrictions have made them be more creative and they've possibly reached a wider audience because it's a lot easier to sit in front of your tv than it is to go to the west of ireland yes well i think that's probably true we reach a wider audience who didn't necessarily reach more local people because the community activities that we sometimes do were a little bit restricted um, but, you know, every every year you do things a bit differently anyway. So we had um, a, a, overall a similar amount of audience, but we reached them in different ways. Um, uh, we reached them through online and through a partnership with a, um, a Bloomsbury radio station that's more set up to train students and that sort of thing. Uh, but actually we did broadcast for a couple of weeks locally as well. Uh, we reached them through doing stuff outdoors and we had some lovely exhibitions outdoors that really related to the local community as well. So it was um, a very good experience coming in. It also gave me a bit of freedom rather than just, you know, when you step into somebody's shoes, the temptation is to do it as they did it, certainly the first time and find out who everybody is. But I, I was immediately thrown into a world where we had to do it a bit differently. So that felt a little bit of a freedom, but it is a constraint as well because the things that people think will work well in one situation, you know, like theater, Filming theatres, I think, probably the hardest of the tasks. I think there's a, a strength in web streaming it and having it a moment live when you say this is the moment we're going to put it out, um, rather than thinking it's a film and can be watched at any time. Because, um, uh, yeah, but but there's a I think in the, so for the music events in particular, um, 
it was we realized that that, that that broadcasting them on youtube there's people like a bit of interaction but they also quite like a good quality <laughs> you know, so there's a balance to be made between the platform that you use like zoom which works quite nicely for things like folk festivals and you know people can chip in and clap and the rest of it and the artists see that for slightly more sort of pianist type concerts are better on a platform where you can film them rather beautifully and singers and that sort of thing so we had a we were experimenting playing around with what worked seeing who watched what and how we could market it in a different way and that is freeing to a certain extent but I think coming in for the first time it also gave me a really high level of visibility of all the content that we put together which I think sometimes are coming into the festival director role you know you're going you see two minutes of one thing and then you're off to welcome the next lot of people and then you, you sort of know what you've programmed you've seen a tiny bit of it but actually, I think I've had a better view of it overall um, than everybody else. And then we, with the Encore Festival, we wanted to share that with people as well. So that's what we've been doing over the last few weeks. It sounds like a very positive spin on a baptism of fire. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a baptism of fire, but it was good, yeah. But a glorious one. And so the Encore Festival, which is running at the moment, to tell us specifically about, about that. Yeah, so the Encore Festival is online on the Bloomsbury Festival website, which is bloomsburyfestival.org.uk. And um, it's a three-week uh, reprise of some of the best digital elements and some of the varied digital elements that we do. So uh, we've got the new wave content that, um, whereas people like RADA students and music students emerging and people like that who are the new wave that we're encouraging, they're on for all three weeks and they're free. And so we just link to their work. And um, then we have um, uh, three weeks where we've got particularly focused work. So in week one, we're looking at um, the Seeing Differently theme. And uh, that went out last week. And then this week, we've had a Sight and Other Senses where we go a little bit more into the medical side of the world and uh, look at people's eyesight and that sort of thing. So the thing, the vision side of it. And then next week, we've got a programme which looks at people telling their own stories in different ways and, you know, their, from their perspective, sort of being seen. So we've got those three themes running through and we programmed it and curated it. And, and, and uh, there's a few events that are ticketed still um, online, uh, sort of pay-per-view on Vimeo, which we give links for and they're very nicely presented. And we felt like we should at least experiment with that because, you know, the some of the, our events are ticketed the first time around and that's how the artists earn some money from it. So we didn't want to stop that completely. But quite a lot of the content is free as well. So, um, yeah, so we've got those uh, elements that we, uh, you know, we put together and curated and uh, are now halfway through. Yes. Have you got, any, have you got a particular favourite? They're all your children, and I know you love them equally. And of course, they're from that. <laughs> yeah. But is there a particular, are there a couple of standout things for you? Um, I think the standout things for me are the online are the arts exhibition, art exhibitions, the digital art exhibitions, and also the concerts that we did with the new wave that we recorded for YouTube because they are honed for that platform. And then one or two of the talks that we've had, which have been fantastic. And um, yeah, so, so it's hard to pick one, one or two events, but I, I know when one exhibition that really hit home to people was Catherine Packard's um, sort of alternative vision of King's Cross. She'd taken photographs from 
the 80s, 70s and 80s in King's Cross and we displayed them on the railings of Brunswick Square Gardens and had a fantastic response to them. Yeah, oh, that sounds fantastic as well. Yes, I know it's interesting, isn't it, with the video? I, I actually wrote and directed a version of uh, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, which has toured with Guy Masterson for the last five years or so. Uh, went to America last year, and this year Nottingham did a, a recording of it. And as the as the director of the theatre piece, I was a little bit concerned, but they got some really, really good people there. And we did it as a live experience, and it worked It worked very well. So I can, I can see how that how that might happen and um, let's talk a little bit about Bloomsbury though because it's a fairly unique area isn't it for those bear in mind Catherine in California hello Catherine Callot Catherine's <laughs> every week on the beach in California she apparently she never does anything but listen on the beach but hello Catherine anyway so for Catherine California and others around the world tell us a little bit about about Bloomsbury the area so um, Bloomsbury is really the eastern part of central London so it's from Tottenham Court Road eastwards for about a mile. Uh, it stretches north to around King's Cross and Euston and down to about Hoban, Covent Garden sort of area. So it's a square mile, really. And we go over the edges a little bit, but we tend to go over the edges north and east and south rather than west, because otherwise you get into the real West End, you know, London theatre land type of area shops and that sort of thing. Um, and it's... At the um, sort of westerly end of it, the Tottenham Court Road end of it, you've got the university building. So you've got the University of London's main centre, Senate House, which is actually where we have our office. You've got UCL, you've got Bloomsbury Institute, you've got numerous educational big buildings like SOAS and the Slade School of Fine Art, which is now part of UCL. So you've got all those sort of big establishment buildings there and some lovely squares and great, beautiful buildings. And then as you go eastwards, you go through a patch which is sort of like quite artsy and um, uh, it has got Brunswick Centre, which has a, a cinema and they've got lots of shops sort of going up from that small little boutique sort of shops. And then you move over again and it's far more residential. And there, there's a lot of, uh, in the residential area, there's quite a diverse population at the northern end of it in the um, 70s and 80s. Uh, it was really quite a difficult area, you know, with uh, drug dens and national front protests into an area that people were arriving as immigrants from different parts of the world, from Somalia and from Bangladesh and those sorts of places. And so that, that was a difficult time for it. But over the last 20 years or so, since the 90s, there's been a lot of refurbishment of that, regeneration of that area. But people are still, you know, people are still living there in large um, sections of the community from the Bangladeshi community, from, you know, so it's quite a young area as well, not just because of the student population, but about a third of the population um, uh, 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 are under 30, which is quite a high proportion in that, that sort of area. So you've got a big, um, you've got a, a big young population. Uh, you've got these diverse people who came as immigrants 50 years ago, or their parents or grandparents did. And then you've got some people who are connected with academia. And then you have a lot of people who are walking through the area each day to their jobs from the main railway stations because we were bordered by three big railway stations as well. And so you've got a lot of people coming into the, in and out of the hospitals. Great Ormond Street is in the middle of it. Um, you've got a lot of medical institutes and, that, and Moorfields Eye Hospital and places like that. So there's a great proportion also of these medical institutions that are there. So you've got all these different worlds living side by side, layered into that sort of Bloomsbury literary heritage um, that we do explore and celebrate as well. Um, but we're not solely focused on that. We're, we're focused on the contemporary 
um, cultural activity in Bloomsbury as much as, the, if not more, in the past, really. Yeah, no, it's a great. I know it quite well. I actually went to university there as well, so it was. Uh, yeah. It was uh, it, it was good fun. I quite like that mix as well in London. And I mean, I'm from Birmingham originally, where the city centre was just businesses and shops. And when I first came yeah. to London and saw people were living in town, as it were, I was uh, I was quite shocked. But that's still that's still um, a large part of the, the London scene, isn't it? Really, and I suppose... very much so. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And in fact, I think Bloomsbury certainly in lockdown has been quite an interesting place because you know a lot of people coming in each day haven't been coming in most people haven't been coming in so it's gone to be more like a t small town really than a, than you know the inner city hub that it was but no doubt that will gradually return so at the moment you know when we plan a festival we have to think that by autumn this year things might not be quite what they were two years ago and it really probably won't be like that till towards the end of 22 I guess you know I mean it's all guesswork not no expert like everybody really but you think the way things are going we feel that hopefully we'll get some more live events than we did last year but we're still planning digital we're still planning how we reach people outdoors so that if they're on a walk they can see big exhibitions and that sort of thing. Yes, I was going to ask how, how you're feeling about the autumn. And yeah. of course, as you say, who knows, really? So but yeah. do, you think, do you think the digital element will stay with you um, anyway? After, after yeah, well, we had very good feedback from that and people really liked it. And so I think also the artists have realised that quite a lot of the theatre artists were very anti being filmed when they thought there might be an occasion possibility of doing it live they thought no no theater is live and that's it but actually now they're realizing the the value to them of the digital asset <laughs> you know so so one of the theater companies we work with who did a fantastic play uh, called invisible me that unfortunately we can't show as part of our program because it's got other rights things going on at the moment They've been offered a national tour when theatres open again because they've had the digital aspects. They could show it to more people, and that, that you know. And so, uh, and one of the other companies that was uh, really quite resistant to the idea of digital realised in the middle of the summer actually this isn't going to ever happen live. So they then commissioned a film of their piece shot still at the venue that we were going to use, and we still did quite a lot of that filming at the venues. And they started picking up awards around the world and set, and, and spreading this film around the world. So there is an I think filming it well is a really good thing to try and do and for the artists and the theatre people thinking a little bit in the film mode or live television broadcast mode at least is is um, certainly a good plan and then um, yeah and so you have to test try it and test it really but I think having having now carefully presented it in this encore festival I think also that what suddenly everybody's seeing is that as a body of work, it looks really quite fantastic. Whereas when you're doing it as a festival, it's not like being a museum or an art gallery where you have months and months and months to plan everything. You just have everything happening at once. And so to get that sense of perspective on what you've achieved, both for the artists and for the festival team and the audience, is really nice, as well as giving the opportunity for people to see the whole you know, whole events again and hear talks that they missed and that sort of thing. Yes, it was a lovely And actually we found that particularly useful for the young emerging artists, for the drama students from RADA and the people like that and the young artists who've galleries we've put back up and that sort of thing. I think they've had a particularly good response because, of course, they're making their first steps in the world and they want people to see their work. So they've been promoting it themselves. So it's a lot about partnership, what we do, not all about what we do. 
And the more people, you know, push their work, the more audience it gets, both at the time of the festival and afterwards, we found. Yes, and of course, Rada's on your, your manor, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's part of our patch, which is a delight. <laughs> we have a close relationship with them. Yeah, that's so. So we've got a good relationship with them, and you know, used their uh, able to use their um, old studio space, uh, which has got a great history that I'm not an expert on, but I I know uh, used to be very prominent um, as an alternative sort of venue for theatre uh, many years ago. So um, yeah, so it's it's, it's a real. Uh, delight you know when I was working previously in Lincolnshire you had to go out and find people and things to come to you and that was quite you know that's interesting because people often want to come to areas of the country where things don't happen you know the big museums and people but there in in Bloomsbury it's all on your doorstep in one little microcosm of the country really. It is quite remarkable, isn't it? I do, I do love it. Uh, I'm Nick Hannigan. This is Residence 104.4 FM. I'm talking to Rosemary Richards, who's head handshell of the Bloomsbury Festival. Um, and we're talking about the Bloomsbury Festival generally on Literary London. Also, we're talking about the Encore Festival, which is sort of happening now. Um, uh, finished on the 7th of February, I think, doesn't it? So we're just catching the end of it. On, um, on the 14th, actually. This week goes up to the 7th, and then there's another week up to the 14th. Yeah. Ah, Marvellous. Um, and we'll talk about the best way of, of, of getting in touch and seeing all this stuff as well later. But let me just, if you don't mind me asking, how, how do you, because we've got a lot of writers uh, who, who listen to this, how do you become a festival director? Ah, oh, there's a question. <laughs> <laughs> I do always describe my career as not a straight path, you know. If I'd looked at, it at the age of 18 at where I am now, I might have been quite pleased. But the path to getting here has to be your own individual one. I don't think anybody has a straightforward one, really. And mine has come through initially a media career. And then actually when I was in my mid to early 30s and having children, suddenly... Um, you know, sort of having a different relationship with where I was living, which was in Oxford, um, that I suddenly sort of helped out on a millennium festival. And, you know, you sort of think, and, and then suddenly I was in the arts. And so it wasn't, I mean, I'd studied theatre and drama at college and that sort of thing. So, so then from there, I started doing big outdoor festival events. So I was commissioning events and putting them on and then went back into the BBC where I carried on doing some outdoor work. They had big screens at time, around the time of the Olympics and that sort of thing. And then came out and started working more bespoke as a festival director, partly because of you know, a lot of the work that I've done more recently in media as well as in festivals is about involving people. It's about partnerships and involving people. So that's really where um, the whole uh, sort of impetus comes from and, and the experience. Yes, no, it's, I, I just thought sort I'd of throw that one in there. And are you from, where were you from originally? Are, are you from Lincoln originally? No, no, I'm actually from Cheshire originally. So I came, you know, Manchester area, Chester School in Chester, North Wales, all that sort of area. Oh dear, my earphones oh, keep falling out. Um, yeah, <laughs> talking and talking about putting headphones in, it's not easy. Yeah, that's right. I know. I'm never sure whether they would have worked or not. Um, and so um, what's the, what about... October then if you've got you say it's basically running the, the Bloomsbury Festival uh, is a kind of a year-round events have you got how's October looking I suppose I should say yeah so well we're just starting to pull together proposals from people we have a sort of timetable whereby we have big partners meetings between now and sort of March to introduce what we're doing 
And if anybody's interested in that, just go via our website to get in touch with us. We tend to focus on people who have some relationship with Bloomsbury one way or another, either it's been or were are a student there or live there or belong to their work there or belong to a sort of arts group that are based there. Um, and then uh, we have conversations with people about what they might like to present. Um, and we don't have the funds to commission things ourselves, uh, but we do apply for Arts Council and Heritage Funds to support community activity um, in the arts. So, uh, and also some commissioning of specific work. But the sort of the, the core offer is people put themselves forward either to do present events which are free or to present events that we can box office and share the income with them. And then we're looking for music and and this year we've got a, a, a theme of shining a light on the local area. So shining a light, whether it's on the community, whether it's on a particular emerging artist, whether it's on a science discovery um, uh, or on buildings in the area. So that's our, it's sort of meant to be celebratory in this difficult time as well. Oh, that sounds fantastic. And again, I suppose we'll just have to wait and see what happens yeah. in terms yeah. of attendance. Are you planning on using the physical um Area as well, well yeah and we found that last year it was really good when we used it even for filming so um if we uh were able to film at a place it gave it a certain feel of being a festival and it promoted the area so that's sort of you know even if it's all digital we would hope that quite a bit of the content i think it was filmed i think with the talks and things i mean that's very hard to do other than from people's homes but from the point of view of concerts and performance, it tends to be better done from a venue, even if it's only a film crew that are allowed to go there. Yes, and you have got, and again, in Bloomsbury, there's some spectacular venues, aren't there? I mean, yes, the Senate House Library, if you've ever seen George Orwell's 1984, the film, I think. Yes, yeah. Senate House yeah. is the, the Ministry of, whatever you call it, the Ministry of Think, whatever, <laughs> that one, you know. Yeah, normally the festival works with about 20 or 30 venues, but last year we were more like five or 10, you know, so it was uh, much reduced because of coronavirus. And I guess this year we'll probably stay with a re reduced number of venues just because we have to manage them for, you know, audience health and safety as well. So, and also the organisation has to be, who's hosting us has to be able to cope with, you know, the audience coming in or at least film crews coming in. So those are the sorts of conversations we have early doors you know, around about now with the venues and who's, who's able to feel so might be able to open up later in the year and that sort of thing for us. Yes. Oh, well, I mean, good luck with it all. Um, so uh, how can people find out more? And also, it's interesting that you're looking for participants as well, perhaps with a connection in the area. Yeah, That's yes, very much so. Yeah. And so, you know, always, and if people who are prepared to respond to that theme or feel they have work that does respond to that theme, uh, on the understanding, of course, that we're not really commissioning, we're, we're sort of providing a platform for. Um, and that, uh, yeah, and, and our website is probably the best way to get in touch with us. So um, uh, bloomsburyfestival.org.uk, that base has the Encore Festival that we're doing at the moment, if you look at the top menu, but it also has our admin email address that is actively monitored for, you know, approaches coming in. And uh, yeah, so you can see what, we, what we've done. If you look deeply into it, you can find, you know, I think on our about section, what we've done in past years as well. So, yes, but now is a good time to be thinking both about sort of getting a view of what the sort of work that we cover, but also, um, you know, if anybody's interested in putting themselves forward or people that they know forward, 
Uh, it's not, not that we can guarantee that everything will get, find its place, but if we feel like we can incorporate it into the programme, we have to be a bit careful not to be too big as well, and particularly in these years of coronavirus. I think one thing we learnt last year is you can't do so much at the same time if you're filming it all, because you've got, you know, you can only afford so many film crews, <laughs> whereas you might be able to have five events going on live, but you can only have three with film crews, you know, or something like that, so... And how, how did you find, just just uh, because it's come up a few times, how did you find filming events? Is that something that you had to learn? Were you able to find a, a sort of a television person who, who specialises? Because the notion of streaming events as well is, is yeah. new to a lot of people. Well, I think because of my live broadcast background, which was more in radio in the early days, and then, but I've done a lot of television, not so much live TV, but some live TV the actual notion of it all was quite familiar with me. And then I've done some streaming of our outdoor arts events. And actually, just even in winter last year, was doing some, um, we were supporting some arts uh, work from the Tram Shed in Woolwich um, streaming and from other venues as well. And we were doing, we were experimenting with doing it. There's a system you can use for, which is quite cheap with iPads. We were using proper cameras as well. So we were just experimenting with how best it was done for live theatre so we'd already been doing that because of the media background we have or you know me and my colleagues have and so we already had the thinking in place and some of the experience in place and then of course you have in our world you always bring people in to help you but I knew who the appropriate people were who could do it in a way that we might possibly be able to afford because of course the traditional television methods are massively expensive Whereas the ones that sort of there's a world that lies between the traditional big equipment and, you know, everything being alive, BBC, OB, <laughs> and uh, between just putting up a few iPads at the back of the room. So we were wanting to hit a middle ground with that. But also some of our partner venues actually had have film crews associated with them and were able to support us with that. So Conway Hall, which we use, they they already have um, their own crews that they operate frequently with there. So some of the places we were able to step into those sorts of relationships and some places we took our relationships in to support them like Rada as well who hadn't done so much web streaming because it hadn't been their thing before so we introduced somebody who could help support work in their studio and I think they've carried on doing that as well subsequently. Oh fascinating stuff we could talk forever but we've <laughs> run out of time so just uh, just reiterate the website if anyone wants to know any more about the Bloomsbury Festival or the Encore yeah. Festival it's Festival, yeah, Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, uh, Rosemary Richards, who's the director, head honcho, and a uh, lovely person at the Bloomsbury Festival. Uh, you can find out about the Encore Festival, which is running until the 14th of February 2021, I had to say. Um, and the actual main festival is in the autumn, in October 2021. So uh, keep in touch. Thank you so much, Rosemary. Um, and thank you for... Uh, paying attention, sitting up straight, and liking my shirt if you're watching this on YouTube. I'll see you next time. I'm Nick Hennigan. This is Literary London on Residence 104.4 FM.